Hello, I'm Steve Turton. This is my conversations with the Pope podcast, number eight. It's probably the most Merseyside-centric episode we've done so far, this one. Neville Southall, the Gerrard final, Andy Gray's FA Cup winner. There's a lot of scouseness about over the next hour or so. We take a little personal trip down memory lane to mine and Pope's first lads holiday together in Istanbul and revisit some of the madness surrounding that 2005 Champions League final. If that sounds a bit too rose-tinted for our blue brothers, there's plenty of other non-football chat. We get into Trump and Biden in the wake of America's reignited race war. We review the weekend's big golf action, including Popey's own piss-poor show and locally. And we talk drugs in sports on the back of Lance Armstrong's new two-part documentary. Loads of entertainment soundbites along the way, as always. And as always, thanks for listening. Hopey. Hey, what's up? Are we on? We are, mate. So are we? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Not too bad yourself. Good, yeah, fairly good spirits. Um, apart from I'm, I'm, I'm sat again at my bed, stressing table, which is in our bedrooms, front of the house, it's going to be the hottest room in the house. As we record on Friday morning, what is it, 20 past 11, it's going to be let's check out what's it, it's 20 degrees. Yeah, it's hot. And yeah, me missus is back to work this week as well, but is she's she? working from home. She's got uh, sort of a monitor and a PC set up. On the at the dressing table as well, so there's literally not much room. It's a bit, it's a bit imposing to say the least. But yeah, the show, the show must go on as they say. And uh, obviously, there was uh, extremely good news yesterday for all uh, all Liverpool fans in particular. Sunshine, and so uh, yeah, in in fairly good spirits to be honest with you. As Franny Bennett would say, B A C K back. It's back, isn't it? <laughs> You must have been pleased, mate, with your uh, your financial investments on the Reds. Uh, I am, lad. I'm still forever the pessimist, aren't I, with this uh, coronavirus? But I still, I still think it might take some time to get it on. You know, uh, I still quite the logistics of it and whatnot is still not clear. Are they? don't know what they're going to do with grounds. They don't know what they're going to do with police. They still got to get it rubber stamped from the government, who, who seemed pretty keen to get it on all the way through, haven't they? Really, but. I just still don't know how they're going to do it, lad. It's great news. It's great news. It's great, potentially. But I still just... How are they going to do the isolation? Are they going to keep the teams away from the family? Are they going to test the family members as well, are they, to keep it under control? Or or do you just think by the time... I would have thought they'd just just follow the German uh, blueprints, as we tend to do with most things anyway. Mm, the thing is, though, with Germany's numbers... Our numbers are still shit, lad. You know, 377 yesterday's not... It's not a good number, really, to be, like, coming out of lockdown, I don't think. But do you think by the time we get to 17th of June, it might have dropped right off and we can maybe have avoided this second peak we keep hearing about and we'll be able to get the show on the road? Oh, fuck, I was in fairly, fairly good spirits until I started speaking to you. Fucking hell, what's up with you? <laughs> Listen, lad. Jesus Christ. I, I, Suicide watch or what? <laughs> It's been a tough week, lad. I've been off, been off the radar yeah, all Jesus week. Jesus Christ. Um, you sound as though, yeah, you, you feel as though 17th of June may be subject to change. Um, I'm just, obviously, I've, I've I've been as pessimistic, if not more pessimistic, as you throughout the whole 
sort of pandemic and, and, and process of, of project restart, but all of it was reverse uh, psychology, to be honest with you. So I'd like to think I've had a bit of a bit of a role to play in that. Cried it in, if you were. As you tend to do, it's like your golf career, isn't it? I think you've done a lot of that over the years, moaning shots in and... That's, that's always my strategy, that's always my go-to, yeah. And that was the same uh, ploy that I used this time around for the uh, for the prem. So uh, it's worked. So, yeah, pleased, as I say, sunshine and, and things seem to be moving in the right direction, yeah. Apart from me, sweat me, I'll chat baps up and you've heard dressing table, all is uh, A-OK, as they say. Is Lou working next year as we speak, is she? He's both... Oh no, from next week, is that? That'd be an interesting setup, wouldn't it? Imagine. <laughs> Little bit uh, like, yeah. No, she works. She's part time. I'm, I'm well and truly the breadwinner in our house. Like, so, uh, yeah, she works Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So she's off today with the boys. So I think she's, uh, it's a mate's birthday tomorrow. So she's dropping off the presents today as also. But you could be set up together next week, like. Frankenstein's garage. She could be amazing this day. You're late again, Costanza, so listen up. Starting tonight, we're having a little sales contest. The loser gets fired, the winner gets a water pick. You're not giving away our water pick! <laughs> Serenity now! No, but it doesn't matter because I quit. I guess your mother was right. You never could compete with Lloyd Braun! <laughs> Sell computers? I will show you how to sell computers. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Fanneman. You want to buy a computer? No? Why not? <laughs> All right, I see. Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> Serenity now! <laughs> Uh, just touched on your golf day, lad. How was it? You had a little game, didn't you? A little swing Monday. Yeah, it was good. Enjoyed it. Um, results wasn't uh, as I was as I would have hoped for or expected. No. But, um, were you down the field, were you? Or well, Bundy was only three points behind. You put it that way. Okay. And Ted's a, Ted's a newcomer to the sport. Bad job on it, is it? He's a he's a newcomer to the sport, Teddy, and he's only been only been swinging clubs. Well, golf clubs for the for the last couple of years. Okay, yeah, thanks for that. You don't have to remind me. Or was that for everyone's benefit who's listening? That was for Teddy's benefit. If if he's listening, you know, you don't need to be throwing rib shots on him while he's a, while he's a newcomer. Like, but but it was good. It was good. There was only four of us, um, so we were restricted to two balls. Um, so I was with Moss and Ted was with Pay. Davo won. Well done, Davo. You did call. Say through grid. Sorry? You did call out. You said he'd been playing a bit, P. You put yourself as betting favourites, I think, last week. Got the favourite turned think... over anyway, by the sound of things. Okay, well, that was more of a tongue-in-cheek comment than anything else. But uh, Davo won, uh, Moss second, and I may add a half-cut Moss as well. He brought nine bottles of Heineken. Um, got a buggy, got his ice cooler, put all the bottles in there, and obviously with me playing with him, I had a couple as well, but I was trying so when he had two. He had seven, so not only did he lose some moss, I lost to a half cup moss, which wow. is uh, yeah, which is a good thing. The John Daly of our society living up to his namesake, yeah. <laughs> but do you know what though, mate? There's, there's something to it. I think I, I think it works in your favour having a few. Right, seven's maybe a little bit excessive, but a lot of golf, as you know, is in your head. So I suppose if you have a little bit of Dutch courage, you just you you, you don't think as much. 
you just play your more natural game if that makes sense especially with me mate you know I fucking struggle with me demons like on the golf course and in general I'm not sure about that judge you're on a as you know, we do a yearly, like, a Ryder Cup thing against the older boys in our uh, local society, don't we? And every year, yeah. every year we're right neck and neck with them of a morning when everyone's just had a bacon butty and a cup of tea. Afternoon, we get in the clubhouse before the, the singles later on. <laughs> everyone swallows about three or four pints of shite in the bushes, pissed in the bus- bushes, no concentration. <laughs> Honestly, lad, if if I'm involved this time round, I'm I'm banning ale. I'm going pure Fiora on it. Like I'm banning ale in the afternoon. Well, I think you need to. Uh, I think you need to get your captain's armband out again. It's uh, it's been it's been a while to say the least. I mm. think you're the man to uh, to lead to what would be our first uh, first W in our in our Ryder Cup format. So it's quite yeah, embarrassing. That's been over the years. I, I, in fact, I've threatened to bench myself. I don't even think I've ever won a point in the Ryder Cup format. No. Um, so if you've got wits about you, if you're our captain this time round, yeah, I, I, it probably makes more sense to have me as a, as a sort of a non-playing captain just to try and rally the troops. A Sandy Lyle no, character. Yeah, just Captain Monty, yeah. As I say, without the uh, without the talents. Just there, for mor- just there for moral support. What was the course like, lad? You know, I'm... I'm- very cemented in me lockdown. I'm very restricted. But I am thinking of playing yeah. golf myself at Halton's Augusta, Fiddler's Ferry next week. What was the course like? Was it busy? Was it lively? Were you in? Uh... Getting stuck in, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have a swing, uh, lad, um, I think. Who are you going to play it with? Just me and Peggy. Maybe me ma. Like Fanny out. Pardon? <laughs> no, those caddy. Wow, okay, mate, yeah. Might, might want to edit that out. <laughs> That's come it's out it. all kinds of wrong, that, hasn't it? Get and, and next minute, Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's move on swiftly. Sounds like we're uh, trying to get ourselves yeah. a, new, a new dad there, don't it? Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, the course, lad. Lively. Yeah, very... I've never played prize days before. Uh, I, I think there's been a society game. It might have even been your last society game as captain one Sunday, I remember, but mm. I didn't play. Mm. Um, so you may already know about it. But the course in general, really good, good nick. Uh, in terms of restrictions in place, not given obviously the social distancing, not many, if any, to be honest with you, apart from restricted to two balls, although I did see one three ball on the course. There was a little cup within the cup. Um, so we were still holding out. Um, so not much had changed in, in, in relation to that. Yeah. And then it was more stout. So it was like 10-minute tea times and you had to stick to your tea time or you got to wait for the green to clear even on the first, which was like a par five. So it was good because it was spaced out and there was no idiots up your arse or you weren't getting stuck behind any four balls, which was good. But in terms of the difference of golf and, and, and lockdown, so to speak, compared to just a, a normal 18 holes that you played, there wasn't, wasn't much... Much of, a, much of a difference, to be honest with you. No, so yeah, no. yeah, you'd be having a massive panic attack on the third all over the okay, thoughts. Okay, great, great. That's just what we need, yeah. Step out of lockdown to a, to a chocker golf course. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of golf, did you have a little go? Did you have a little watch? Mickelson, Brady, Tiger Manning? No, they also saw was the, um, in all honesty, like the, the Tom Brady clip that you'd, you'd show me. Which, oh. uh, where do you want to start on that? I mean... Possibly the, golf, the greatest golf shot I've ever seen, maybe? Is that a, too much? Hey, Tom, how many shots you want? This Chuck. Chuck. Come on, man. I'm going to give you some shots, man. I want All some right. of you. Get going. 
Chuck, I've been focusing on football, bro. <laughs> I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. Man. Ready to dominate. I think you just made him mad, Chuck. Oh, no. I love it, though, man. He, he could take a joke. Shut your mouth, shut real. Take a little medicine. Get your butt out of here. You watched it, I didn't. Was it was it windy like? It was horrendous weather, lad. It was Florida storms, greens rained out, goosed the course. One of them proper exotic exotic showers like came down apparently the night before, right through. But lad, it, it was As opposed to one of those erotic showers, yeah. <laughs> One of them Donald Trump ones in Russia, yeah. No, no, not one of them. We'll get on to him later, lad. Different type oh, of... of course, we've got to, yeah. I, I, I can't, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just... Is there anything this man can't do? Tom Brady oh. wants six supermodels. Seeing a supermodel. Obviously, he's married to a supermodel. Got it all. Good-looking kid. Um, no doubt unbelievable in, in the sack as well. He just... He's, he's the enviable. He's superb, and, and he didn't play great, lad. To be honest with you, yeah, he ripped his kecks bending over on on one hole, which was, you know, something for the, <laughs> the ladies, I suppose. Better than seeing Peyton, yeah, course, Peyton Manning yeah. rip his. But that shot, lad, honestly, he wasn't playing well. Barkley, see, Barkley had a walkie-talkie to each of the players. He was on commentary, so he was sledging them, giving them a bit of stick. And he was getting rad. Yeah. yeah, he was getting rad into Brady. And as we've seen with Jordan, spoke about up through the last dance and what we've seen on that. You don't really stoke these elite lads, do you? These all-time greats, these goats, they will respond with some with some glory. And as I say, pings, 155 yard um, wedge shots, right in, backspin, right into the hole. Well, backspin, yeah, backspin as well. But it is, it is Barkley's wants to not want to talk. Is he, have you seen the clip of his golf swing? Horrible Obviously, swing. Obviously, you've touched the sides on this part, yours and Peggy's swing's not being... Too aesthetically pleasing, but Barkley takes it to a whole new level. Have you seen it? He's an absolute oh, person. it's horrible. Yeah, well, there was a challenge they done on a, a charity challenge. He had to make a bogey, I think, on the seventeenth hole, and it, it was horrible. It was zigzag army golf. He was all over the fairway. <laughs> I think he got down in six double bogey. It was par four. Yeah, yeah, not the best, but overall a match lad, really good, really, really good. It, Entertaining. They both gave a little bit more. They were a bit looser. Tiger was still a bit quiet, as he as he tends to be. Phil was taking the limelight. He's a serious but... guy, isn't he? I'd I wouldn't expect great banter from 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 Woods. All right, okay. There's got his dark side, as, as we all know, and um, yeah, which all got revealed a good few years ago. Like, but he's never really been struck me as one who's who's uh, yeah one of the boys in terms of the banter and what have you like. So that, that doesn't come as a great surprise to me, to be honest with you. I think he's over them demons, isn't he? We'd like to think. I don't know how lockdown's been affecting him. Like, I don't know if he's he's dipped back into his uh, to his old ways under the strain of being locked down with his, <laughs> with his kids and what. So was it better than uh, was it better than volume one then? Oh, lad, yes, Christ, they pissed all over it. It was just much better done, and and to have four involved, it it, it doubles the interaction, doesn't it? It doubles what you get. And Peyton Manning was great. He was sound. He was funny. He was on form. Don't get me wrong. I'd still chop him for uh, 
for our replacements that we were putting forward last week, but we'll see. Of course, yeah. Is there any shanks, any duffs? Oh, yeah, plenty. Yeah, first hole, nightmare. Manning was in the bushes. He had your rangefinder glasses on, I think, lad, first hole. <laughs> The, the, the little Ray Charles number, yeah? <laughs> Ray Charles ones, yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like you had me cataracts done, don't it, whenever I pull them out? <laughs> well, it looks like you had your cataracts done on most, most tee-offs, to be honest with you, lad. Usually in the bushes with that uh, <laughs> that aggressive swing of yours. I, you know, I know what you're saying about my swing. I'm, I'm much more Rocco Mediates, aren't I? Nice and easy, nice and gentle. Yeah. Yours is so aggressive, lad. Tiger before his back was fused. I was gonna say mine's peak my mine's peak woods, yeah. Circa what, two thousand, ninety nine, two thousand? It's aggressive. It's anger. It's pure anger. It's like unnecessary. It's like you're taking all your frustrations from baby Gronk out on the on the head <laughs> and the ball. <laughs> no, I have I have toned it down a little bit. There are times, don't get me wrong, like I played um when I played on Monday, I had a little eighty yard of downhill over a bunker to get to the pit. So I had me 52 out, took on a couple of decent practice swings, knee high. That's yeah. all it would have took. Left over the ball and absolutely bludgeoned. It must have been about 140, just pinned it through the back. It just something comes over me when I stand over the golf ball. I just want to, ah, you just can't help but want to blast it. You know what I mean? And I, I just need to sort of, yeah, hold that in, refine it a little bit, which I have been doing to an extent, but yeah, it's still there. But um, just on the subject of, uh, of, 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 of Tiger and Phil, they're, they're already discussing because it's, is it one a piece now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil won the yeah. So they're talking about a trilogy, aren't they? And have you heard who's being uh, touted as potential partner? No, I haven't, lad. No, no. You haven't seen this, okay? I haven't. Michael Jordan. Oh. Michael Jordan's being touted and Steph Curry. Well, what have we been calling for? Have we not been calling for this? Now I know Tiger and Phil. I think have under they're under contract for one more a third and final event under this contract. So fine, get Stefan and Romo fine. Do I want to see this all the time? Not really. If I do, I can turn it to the Golf Channel and they can show me pro-ams on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever they play. See, this is a sincere disagreement because I really like this event. I thought it was better with two other people and I thought it was specifically better with Manning and with Brady. Steph Curry and Tony Romo, I think would be very, very good. Larry David and Bill Murray would be very, very good. Yeah, you want to know I've already gold? played with them, Tony. Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> That's gold <laughs> to be playing in this thing. Well, this is it. It, it. Do you know what? There's a mole on the camp here. I think ESPN is stealing all of our hot takes. It's not the favorite. And then ESPN reports on it a week or so later. I think uh, there could be a, a, a legal battle to be had here. I think we're looking at our sound bites and whatnot, we've probably nabbed quite enough ourselves to not want to get into a legal battle <laughs> with ESPN. Well, with, with one of the biggest companies in the world, owned by Disney. I'd fancy our chances in court. Put Jimmy Lee, our very own Kleinfeld, up against their uh, their team of all-star lawyers. Yeah, I'd fancy Jimmy Lee. Uh, it's Jimmy's, Jimmy's got the goods for us, I reckon. To be honest with you, lad, I shared, I think so. I shared an article from The Athletic yesterday on the Instagram. Um, they done a big piece on the Brooklyn Nets being 300 to 1 to win the uh, NBA championship in January, and they might be down to 35 to 1 because KD and Kyrie Irving look like they might be back. Come on, boys, catch up. When did we put that tip up? About four weeks ago? Maybe even longer, four or five weeks, I would have thought, yeah. But it's as big as 300 to 1 now. No, no, it was. It was in January, lad. It was in January, 300 to 1 by all accounts. As soon as the coronavirus kicked off, I still think there might be. 
over this side of the pond, you might still be able to sneak a bit of 60 to 1 for that, you know, to be honest with you. And it is looking more and more likely that it's going to be uh, Kevin Duran and, and Kyrie Irving are going to be back for the Nets. And then that makes 35, 30 to 1 look pretty big, doesn't it? Do you not think? Well, yeah, I think so, but Adam Silver's not letting it go, is he? Adam Silver, obviously, being the NBA commissioner, he's, uh, he, won't, he won't accept defeat, will he, in the face of the coronavirus? Like, he's uh, he's adamant that it's going ahead yeah. in any way, shape or form. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think you're on to a, a good one there. But but if, just going back to... Um, Jordan and Woods Steph. Smith, three, I, 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 fancy, I fancy whatever team Steph Curry's on, to be honest with you, all day. Do you think he could have played, don't you? He could have been a professional golfer rather than basketball, Steph. He's, uh, he's scratch-like, isn't he? I think Jordan's not a bad player, though. Well, this is it. Obviously, uh, he brings the intimidation factor as well, Jordan. If there's any side wages, that might get to Steph Curry. But here we go. I'll go one further for you. I'd have Steph Curry to shoot the lowest score out the four of them if he does play. <laughs> I can sense a little side wager between us coming here, lad, with that. Bring it on, yeah. We'll, 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 wait, we'll wait for it to be confirmed, but yeah, more than... He's played on the professional tour, so he, effectively he's a semi-pro golfer. So during the off-season for the basketball, I think he's played he's two or three uh, professional events, albeit he's, he's, he's been down the field, granted, but I think with, with enough practice in, as he will have been getting now during, uh, during lockdown at the NBA, and, uh, yeah, I fancy his chances to, uh, to go lower than, than Mickelson and... Uh, and, uh, and, and and Tiger Woods, believe it or not. So we'll uh, we'll keep a close eye on that one. Is lower score going to be the main attraction? Now, uh, let's be honest, Michael Jordan and Phil Mickelson's gambling is going to be the main attraction there, isn't it? Could put a big dent in his two billion empire this, you know, this match free. <laughs> two billion, it's fucking obscene, isn't it? Jesus <laughs> it's not, it's not lad, is it? Who do you reckon he'll have his caddy? I know there was no caddies on Sunday, obviously. I can Slim Boulder might get a call. Wasniak would have been in, yeah, in the hunt. I was just thinking of him, yeah. I'd like to think so. If he hasn't snuffed it, yeah. As most of them have, by the sounds of it, on the last dance. If he's still going, yeah. Get Slim Boulder out there, yeah. I think so. Don't think Scotty Pippen's going to uh, gonna get the nod, is he? What is the worst thing that you did? What is the worst thing? Everybody in the world needs to get this question. What is the worst thing you've ever done? If you believe in miracles, you believe in fairy tales, then you believe in Lance Armstrong. The talk is that this is Lance Armstrong's effort to resurrect his reputation. He's very good at making sure he's one step removed from true responsibility of his actions. I'm going to be naturally skeptical of whatever Lance does or says. The cynics... The skeptics, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry you can't dream big, and I'm sorry you don't believe in miracles. All the praise that we put upon him was all well-deserved. Winning seven Tour de France is not easy. That's extremely difficult to do. The French media began taking shots at Armstrong last week. It escalated over the past two days, accusing him of taking performance-enhancing drugs. I can never be honest about this, because all of this goodness will come crashing down. I did tell Lance to just come out and say it. I mean, this is this is real now. I needed a nuclear meltdown, and I got it. I'm not going to lie to you, Marina. I'm going to tell you my truth. 
Did you catch the latest 30 for 30, Lance? You know what? So where where would I have found it? Because I, I I'd had it in my notes to watch it. It's um, I didn't. So again, very lazy on my behalf. No research going into today's episode as per usual. But I don't. I feel as though I don't necessarily need to watch it. I know enough about Lance Armstrong for me to hold uh, an opinion or judgments on the man, uh, and I don't need sort of a thirty minute. Um, Episode from from ESPN to sort of change my opinion on the, uh, the the one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. That is that is Lance Armstrong. Well, it was two hours. Like you know, cut them a bit of slack. They've gone they've gone right in. They've gone deep. Like four hours in all, I believe. Well, that's completely nonsensical, isn't thirty for 30, 30 minutes, thirty episodes, thirty minutes. No long. lad, no, no. Thirty for thirty. Now this is what I don't get with thirty for thirty. Thirty for thirty was thirty directors making 30 sports films on the 30th anniversary of ESPN. So I don't know how they're still making 30 for 30s, but I think it's just become a brand now, you know what I mean? So it can be... An yeah, hour maybe now. they might want to change the name. Look at the brand and really, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit misleading, I would have thought. To be honest with you, lad, um, it, it's not the last dance, like, it's it's not. So I'd like to lower your expectations on that. It's, it's not... Don't get your hopes up. It's filling a little void where the last dance was, but... You know, cyclists and cycling journalists. That they're not exactly nineties Chicago beat writers or or ballers from the nineties, are they? Like basically, fucking planks of wood in lycra. You know what I mean? It's there's not much personality there. Virgin Brigade, yeah. Mm, very much so, lad. It's it's not it's not buzzing with personalities and and quotable shouts. I, I don't think we'll get many sound bites from it, like. Quite interesting, lad. Some quite interesting bits. I, I, I'll avoid the spoilers because we had a few complaints over the last dance. A few of the listeners. Oh, added, really? Yeah, yeah, they hadn't. What's up with people? Well, they just not got round to it, lad. We jumped on it right away on Mondays and Tuesdays, hadn't we? So by the time they'd listened to this, they hadn't done the last dance. But quite interesting stuff there, lad, on the culture of cycling. I always had Lance down as the bad guy, as kind of the American who come along and, and ruin the tour. I didn't. Well, I know you no, didn't. No, no, not for me. You stand by him all the way through, don't you? Regardless of the cheating and the doping. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it's the way I look at it. And without, not, obviously, I haven't watched the documentary yet. I will try and get round to it, but no real great need to because Lance Armstrong, regardless of whether he was doping or not, which obviously he was, uh, and that's ultimately tarnished his legacy. This is a sport, from my understanding anyway, where doping was rife, especially yeah. during that time. Yeah. Probably more so than sports in the history of sports. Yeah. So it was regular. It's not like he was the only one doing it. So all of his all of his peers and his, his competitors at that level will have been whether they were whether they were caught doing it or not. Realistically, the, 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 the likelihood is they would have been doing it. So he still had to go out and win. What was it? Six, seven tours. Okay, he might have mm. been doping. Well, he was doping. But you still got. Have you seen how brutal it's all the Francis? Yeah. Whether you're taking peepees or not, you still got to go out there and do it. So for me, it doesn't sort of lessen his achievements. Okay, yeah, he's the bad and and he's portrayed as such, and he's been stripped of all his titles and his, as I say, his legacy is completely tarnished. But I think he was just doing it to level the playing field. To be honest with you, and certainly mm. in my estimate, he hasn't gone down in the slightest. And for me, he's still a seven-time winner of the Tour de France, which uh, which puts him up there as one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. Well, it was surprising, lad. It was surprising to see how ingrained like substance abuse and, and assistance was in the sport through the ages, even before the steroids and, and, and drug era. Even like right back to like 
1940s that people were trying cocaine and caffeine and whatever they could get in the system to, to better themselves. Yeah. So, so it was something that happened all the way through. You know, obviously back then these substances weren't, weren't banned, but people were experimenting and taking quite dangerous substances to, to get better times and, and to compete better. So that was really interesting to see. Um, as I say, as a kid, in my head, Lance Armstrong was a bad drug guy and he ruined the tour and he ruined the sport. But as you say, it was going on for ages and and to do it after the cancer, lad, the cancer stuff was quite hard to watch, to be honest with you. It really was quite... Quite heavy and, and was that giving, what giving your own souls a personal yeah, experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've had an experience. We've had an experience not so long ago, so it, it was it was quite tough to watch. But yeah. it, it was just quite heavy footage, lad, of the treatments and of the scar and whatnot. Um, and it does make you think how how we managed to get back to the top. He had to be naturally quite a special human, didn't he, to, to, to do what he'd done. Uh, you know, he, to put it all down to drugs oh, and dope and an EPO. Think is... about it, Steve. Have you seen how brutal it's all the Francis? Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. to get through it, surely, whether it's all right, okay. Uh, PEDs might be stretching it, but as I said, it was at a time when I think most people were doing it or, or, or were expected or were suspected, sorry, of doing it. Um, so I think, yeah, as I say, he was just more so doing it to, to, to level the playing field. And yeah, in my eyes, he's still a, was it six or seven time winner of the Tour de France, which is absolutely absurd, whether you whether you juiced up or not. Mm, I mean, it, it, it put me off. It's why I never got into cycling, because it was so ingrained with drugs. I was like, oh, what's the point? I'm not watching that. You know my thing with sportsmen and drugs, lad, it does really kind of impact on me enjoyment, especially record-based and times and... But I think cycling as well. You've always been suspicious of. Um, sorry to cut you up, but you've always been suspicious of Aldo Messi, haven't you? Well, I'm suspicious of that Barcelona team, lad. Yeah, definitely, because they were using the same physician as the Spanish cycling teams. Salazar wasn't the something. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and I mean, he mentioned not in terms of drugs, but he he mentioned in terms of the level he was at in terms of being an icon, an American icon. Phelps and LeBron James and we don't want to have to draw Jimmy Lee in again here but it's very hard it's very hard for anyone to be at the peak of any sport not to be suspicious about them lad I think in in this day and age over the last 20 30 years even it's difficult for me not to have me suspicions about everyone from Jordan to Tiger to whoever you want really anyone who's conquered the sport it's hard not to not to wonder isn't it have they had a little dabble of this or that Track and field today, what percentage of the elite athletes today do you believe are using illegal performance-enhancing drugs? I would say that it's definitely less now than it was pre-Balco. Uh, if, if before it was 80%, it might be 50 to 60% now, so I think there's a significant reduction, but it's still a majority. How easy is it for an Olympian to use illegal performance-enhancing drugs and not get caught? Uh, relatively easy. How so? The major loophole is with the missed tests. And the way it is now, you can get two missed tests. The third one is considered the same as a positive test, and you'll receive a, a suspension or be banned. They do not disclose this information. We know that in the neighborhood of 8 to 10% of the tests, when they go to uh, collect the samples and the athlete's not there, 
that they're issuing missed tests, but you don't know that athlete A or athlete B has a missed test. So here's basically what they could possibly do. In the year leading up to the Olympic Games, and you're a world-class sprinter, and uh, you take a risk and you say, well, listen, I'll, on my whereabouts form, I'll say I'm going to city X and I'll go to city Y. If they show up, the consequence is you get a missed test. I've calculated that roughly, in my opinion, the odds are about 25 to 1 that they won't come during that couple of week period that you're, you're ducking and dodging and you're using steroids and other performance enhancing drugs. Now, I understand some of these orals and clear in a few days and some of the creams clear in a day, but you could use stuff that may clear in a week or two weeks and go hide and do this. Well, now you've got a cycle under your belt. And hey, you likely the odds 25 to 1 that you didn't even get a missed test. So you can continue to do this until they show up. And then you get a missed test. Well, this is not disclosed. No one knows this. So the advantage is you got a cycle or two under your belt before you get a missed test. But then they'll give you time to, they'll send you a notification, you missed the test, we'll give you a hearing in 30 days, you can show up and give us some you know, reasonable explanation. Will the tester come back? If they miss you one they day, will they come do, back the no, next day? No, they typically do not. So you go and you do it again. You getting cynical in your old age, you boy? Well, I've always been cynical. I've, I've, you know, I wrote articles about it, about drug use years ago. I honestly think I was calling Lance a cheat before the Irish journalist came out with his... Uh... Oh, here we go. Okay, another hot take here coming right here. So you, you, you called Lance before anyone else. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> but in fairness... You've got I, a very high opinion of yourself, have you? I think one of the main reasons I couldn't get into cycling, really, rather than the drugs, was uh, the vicious rumour that went round when we were in school. Uh, I, I wasn't the most talented on a bike, lad. It wasn't really my thing. And uh, Jack Fayard... And it was a rumour. Jack Fayard told the school that... Um, He'd spotted me getting off my bike to, to push it round the corner as a as a fifteen year old. He reckons I couldn't take corners. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I had a beef uh, with cycling long be- long before EPO and. Oh, that's out. ingrained in you from a young age, by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, that's had some like, psychological effects of it by the sounds. Of Absolutely, it. but. It is worth checking out, lad. It is worth checking out. I think you'll enjoy it, especially as a Lance fan. Um, he's he's not Jordan, lad. He's quite still an irritating character, and uh, he's a restless character. He's still fighting legal battles left, right, and centre. Sponsors trying to claim yeah. money back for defrauding them, and he's still fighting public opinion. He still looks edgy when he's out and about. How he's going to be received, you know? So it's yeah, not... but then, but then your your opinion on him—that's you've you've got some sort of preconceived. You've got a preconceived opinion of him there, really, haven't you? Because you know what he's done effectively, and that he's been stripped of his, his sort of the France titles, um, and that he's obviously tarnished the the, the sports and, and sports in general by being as successful as he was, as big of an icon as he was, only to be to be sort of found out as a cheat ultimately. Mm. So whether it's you know people in general. Before the even if they've never heard Lance Armstrong speak, they've got preconceived thoughts of of, of Lance Armstrong, sort of the, the athlete and the man, really, right yeah. or wrongly. Yeah. So there might be a little bit of that. You're watching him, knowing what he's done. And well, what I, he's I, I, I'd say nothing's really improving on his personality for me. I, I just I always thought he was that kind of gobshitey American jock. You know what I mean? And and he is still coming across as that, but. 
the situation I'm, I'm easing on a bit. Yeah, I don't think you can ever excuse excuse doping in sport. You know, if you're caught red-handed, you've kind of got to hold your hands up and you've got to live with that. But, like, there's no, there's no way. Well, well, there's no way you could compete if you weren't doping. There's just no way. It was so rife. Exactly. You, you, yeah. you, you couldn't compete, you know what I mean? So, and in terms of um, competition, like, I wanted to move on to Biden and Trump. That seems to have really... Vamped up a bit, hasn't it? The uh, the rivalry at the moment. Biden can wear a mask, but he was standing uh, outside with his wife, perfect conditions, perfect weather. They're inside, they don't wear masks. And so I thought it was very unusual that he had one on. He's a fool. An absolute fool to talk that way. I mean, every leading doc in the world is saying we should wear a mask when you're in a crowd. Yeah, it's uh, it's mad. It's it's it, it's just it's just pure theatre, isn't it, Pantomime? Have you seen the latest about? Um, I don't know recent it was, but one of my old schoolmates, Craig, who listens to the show, sent me a, a link of uh, Donald Trump going on about uh, how we should try insulin, which was uh, which was interesting. I don't know whether it was at a recent rally or not. He was advising uh, Biden to try insulin. No, no, but he, he was suggesting that he should as, as himself. Someone mentioned insulin or something. He's like, oh, maybe I should try that. Wow. Uh, yeah, just... He's just absolutely mad, and he? He's just an absolute... It doesn't seem real. It, it, it's just completely surreal, Donald Trump. And just American politics in general, really, over the last... The landscape's changed from... Obviously, you had Barack Obama, which was... probably go down as one of the most iconic people of all time, first black presidents of America. And, and, and how, how symbolic that was for America as a nation. And how so, so you've gone from that to the absolute just just fucking circus act, which is which is Donald Trump. It's always, I've always thought sort of British politicians and, and politics in general. We've always been sort of the laughing stock of the world, and, and obviously we still are to an extent with the buffoon that is Boris Johnson. But I think Donald Trump takes it to, to a whole new level, really. It's it? insane, lad. Again, the, the, the odds aren't shifting that much. There was a little shift on Biden with him claiming that black voters aren't black if they vote for Donald Trump in the election. Did you catch that one, lad? Him on the... Uh, oh, wow, OK, that's interesting. The yeah, Breakfast Club, yeah. He was on with Charlemagne, the God. And he was being kind of loose. He was trying to, you know, he, he's on a hip-hop forum there. It's kind of a it's kind of a rappy theme kind of show. I know it's got a strong political theme these days, but yeah. Did he, he do a freestyle? No. <laughs> I think he stopped, oh, okay. he stopped short. Stop short of the freestyle. He has apologised. He said, look, I shouldn't have been so much of a wise guy. It doesn't matter what race you are, what your background is, doesn't mean you, you have to vote for anyone sort of thing. But then Trump just flashes right back. You, you think, oh, my God, I've, I, I've lost my hand in this market here. And then, you know, Trump's out there. They've actually hit his tweet yesterday, you know, this, this Floyd George death suffocated, basically, with a cop's with a cop's knee. Have you seen that news tickens story? Me, tickens me. It seems, it seems to be pretty much every week there's, a, there's, a, there's another story of, of police brutality in America against mm. like African-Americans and disgusting, isn't it? You've seen the other one, didn't you, the, a couple of weeks oh, before? Oh, yeah, lad, in Georgia. Blackland, they just got slay, got executed, basically. And then it took, was it a month later or six weeks later that the culprits got but arrested, like, obviously they'll go to trial now, but I'm surprised we have to get on. This is what I mean, lad. I mean, behind the gusto and the performer and the panto of Trump, there's this element. He does hone in on race. He does appeal to that 
section of white America, doesn't he? You know, they've kind of got him over the line. And I think everything that's going on in the country at the moment, he apparently, he paraphrased an old Miami police chief yesterday, basically told Minneapolis, who were were rioting at the moment because of the Floyd George um, death, that like once the loot, yeah. once the looting starts, the shooting starts. Basically, saying he's sending the army. And now this that that's an old Miami police chief shout from the sixties. This was a guy who declared wow. declared war on black people when they were rioting in Miami. Does he, does he know what he's quoting? Is he playing up to the to that supporter base, or is he just that dumb that he doesn't really realise the significance of of what he's saying there? You know. And that sort of stuff is all... I think it's the latter, lad. I think he is. I think he is that thick, to be honest with you. I think it's definitely the latter. Mm. I don't think there's more to it in terms of cynicism, but I just think he's thick, you know, lad, and he doesn't even realise what he's saying half the time. Mm. Mm. Biden got stuck into him as well, released a couple of good adverts over the weekend. Um, I think he played golf. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it, isn't, isn't Biden brown bread anymore, no? No. <laughs> he is risen. It appears not, which is, which is fantastic news, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, for you, for yourself, yeah. I'd fancy, yeah, I'd fancy his uh, his chances. To be honest with you, whether or not he'd be a more competent president than Trump uh, remains to be seen. But I'd fancy him in the election. Yeah, I think Trump's doing himself more and more damage every with each passing day by the uh, by the looks of it. Mm, we just got to get him over the line, lad. Weekend at Bernie's job with Biden. We just got to get him over the line. Get him there in November. Keep him alive. Keep him away from COVID. Fucking hell. Mask him up. I'm glad that he's wearing his mask, lad, everywhere he goes, Biden. Just keep him standing up straight. And we might get there. My name's Joe Biden. I'm running for, in this case, running for President of the United States. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other person. I just spoke at at Dartmouth on health care at the medical school. Or not, I guess I wasn't actually on the campus, but the people from the medical school were at the... I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. I'm not sure whether it's a medical school or where the hell I spoke, but it was on the campus. You might want to double up, by the way. I, I can't see him doing the eight years in term. I think he he, he uses it. Was it called the mid election? Obviously, they have four years and then they have another election. Yeah, the mid term. Yeah, mid term. I couldn't see that, Lee. No, no, he might not make that far. But, lad, as long as he gets in the White House, as long as he gets his little fucking owl. Hush puppies under the desk. That's all I'm asked about, lads. <laughs> that really is all I'm asked about. What else has been Going there? back to on, you know, yeah, Peggy there and his, his homemade garlic bread. I've seen uh, a video circulating. You were uh, getting stuck into a bit of Oasis in the kitchen at some point this week. We had, um, yeah. To be alcohol-fueled, have you been getting stuck in again or what? We had a little dabble, lad. Bank holiday Monday. We played footy for like maybe three hours in the garden. Serious drills. Um, one twos, getting onto the end of crosses, sprints, diving headers, all that carry on. I think the seems a bit bizarre, but carry on. Had the footy drills were more damaging than the drink. To be honest with you, we had a few bottles followed by a fair few white Russians. We went onto the Al, uh, the Big Lebowski's drink of choice, and we had a good okay. go, a good sing song. Yeah, we just decided to try and break the monot- the monotony a bit, lad. Really, you know. Few buds. Five or six buds, yeah. Couple of cigars. Why are you why are you still persistent with the uh, Budweiser, by the way? I'm a little bit, bit concerned by that. Like you've got so much choice out there. Off licenses, supermarkets are literally stocked. 
you can get anything you want. It's pretty much anything you want. You've got opens if you want something a bit more obscure, and you're persistent with uh, with Budweiser. I, I, I honestly expected more of you. I thought last time when you had Bud, it was just sort of that, that's all that was there, and, and you were just drinking off uh, surplus stock from Christmas. Or but it sounds as though you're. Uh, they seem to be stocking up on board on the uh, on the regular, which is uh, yeah fairly concerning. We're working with what we've got here. We're um, we're rivaling Fritzl's offspring, aren't we? In terms of getting out the house. So if the bud's in, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what we're going to go with, you know. Until it's gone. Really? Yeah. Until we have to reel. You're not run out yet. Nah. So you're not being stocking up. No, but you're still going off sample stock, are you? Well, that, that, that's that's the first time I've drinks drank since last time. And Johnny, really, I think Johnny had a little prosecco night with me man at one point. But we've not we've not really bothered at all. Like, that was my first first time being proper pissed in lockdown, like. But it was quite enjoyable. I'm not gonna lie, lad. It broke it up a little bit. Probably won't yeah. touch it again. Must have felt like shit the next day, though, lad. All the chemicals that they put in Budweiser, lad. You're always fucking writ off the next day off what I find. Yeah, I was more writ off by pretending I was fucking Fabrizio Ravanelli for 19 minutes, to be honest with you. More Luca Viali with oh, the skinner. Yeah. <laughs> Luca Viali, I think, lad, with the skinner. <laughs> i seen the video, though, lad. My heart went out to your mum there. I felt sorry for her, like you and Peggy fucking giving a full uh, Oasis bifters in the kitchen, like... <laughs> I might try and dig the sound out and slip it in, lad. Yeah, we've absolutely terrorised the neighbours with um, botched harmonies and booze. Oh, good vocals, lads. From what I, from what I could uh, hear, anyway, yeah, it was uh, not bad. You were playing the role of of Noel on the harmonies, as you often do, as always. Uh, yeah. And I want you to know. You know what I'm saying, but I need more time. And I want you to say, do you know what I'm saying? But I need more, cause I'll be you and you'll be me. There's lots and lots for us to see. Lots and lots for us to do. She is electric. Can I be electric too? Yay! You were good, yeah. I think it was pretty, pretty impressive. But yeah, I don't think your uh, your mum would agree with that. No, no, not up to her standard. Like she was a singer, wasn't she, me ma? Professionally back in the day, from a family of singers, like so. I've never known that, you know. Fucking yeah, hell, never known that. Oh, yeah. 20 years I've known you are just as long obviously I've never known your mum as a professional singer you've had to give a song and that though haven't you over the years a few times you'd imagine no not really she she doesn't get a look in when you're Paul's there does she <laughs> 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 none of us do lad. I don't think okay, no. <laughs> she doesn't get a look in now I have, you know? when we've had a baby yeah. life <laughs> I think we shut her down a few times. She wanted to do a few, uh, a few sentimental ones. Nah, sorry, Susie, to get um, definitely maybe on. <laughs> no, yeah, good singing, me ma lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in a couple of um, groups over the years, toured the country and whatnot. Brilliant. Yeah, oh I back in the oh, day. Love that. Put a song in for Eurovision as well. Didn't quite get there. I think. Uh, Bucks Fizz or someone got the nod ahead of her, I think, yeah. There's a lot of strength in depth back in the day, yeah, before it, Nil Parr become a regular uh, regular theme for British acts in the uh, Eurovision. Mm, mm. I was watching, a, there was a Channel 5 show 
um, 50, 50 moments, Eurovision moments, lad. Fucking hell, they are spinning anything they can out at the moment, aren't they? Jesus Christ, in terms of Fucking compilation. <laughs> Absolutely. To be honest with you, though, lad, the FA Cup 50 Greatest Moments was a good one. Did you catch that by any chance, lad? I think it was a match of the day spin-off. No, do you know what? I've been watching much telly to be honest with you. Just, uh, just of an evening with a Netflix like thing between being watching. But, but no, uh, any good? I, I tell you what, last Saturday the catch, it was me birds, nans, birthday dropping presents off. We were obviously respecting social distancing, but we just literally just popped in for, for ten minutes. Good lad. Exchange presents. Yeah. And she had the telly on, and it was actually whereas as soon as I walked in, it was the start of the penalty shootouts oh. between Liverpool and the Gerrard final. So good timing. Oh. On my part, but that, I think that must have been part of the, the coverage. But that's that's all the court, to be honest with you. Well, that actually came in at number two, I think, or three moments. It was the Gerard final in general, just his, his performance and the game in itself. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, just that final. Yeah, Gerard's final. That, see, you didn't get to that one, did you? No, I, I was there. Of course, yeah, I was. Of course, I was at that one. Are you kidding me? Staying in the in the cottage. Fucking hell, lad. Sorry, lad, yeah. We, was it me, you, Gav McDonald? We oh. left at the bar. Like, what was the bar called? It was like three in the morning. And he said, last orders. And I think Gav McDonald ordered like 30 pints. No, that was the Chelsea one. That was the Chelsea game. This was the cottage. Lad, I didn't go out on the Saturday. We went right through from the Friday. The the penalty shootout, the game was just fucking heart attack after heart attack. To be honest with you, I had, I had virtually a panic attack on the way to the game. We'd stayed up all night. Let's be honest, lad. There's been that many finals for Liverpool. It's hard to keep track. I know. Innit? I thought the Cardiff ones were great as well. If you if they wanted to swap it today, I'd go back to Cardiff. I thought it was fantastic. Them them trips down there to in Wales. a heartbeat. For me, that's still probably the greatest individual performance of all time, Gerard in the final. Lad. Just look at it. Amazing. But to be honest with you, it showed a clip of it. One of the moments, I think it was about 1920, was uh, was Elton John, your old mate, crying in the stands for the uh, Everton and Watford final. This was when Everton were just coming into fruition as as the top team in England, which they arguably were for three or four years. Elton John was the owner of, of, of Watford in those days. He was he was their chairman. He just got married, hadn't he? And I think he was alongside his wife, which was uh, in itself something to obviously remember. Elton John, chairman of Watford, added another dimension to the occasion, and his reaction to Abide With Me, which was sung with emotion and enthusiasm, was memorable. He got upset, and you know, and that's that's what happens in the FA Cup. The whole kind of emotion of the occasion, the hundred thousand people, and he he just broke down. The big story was what for getting there, wasn't it? Really, as much as anything else, and could they do it against um, the strong favourites that were Everton? Brian Sharp waiting in the centre. And Gray is closing in here. Oh, and Sherwood didn't connect. And the goal is given. The challenge of Gray, too much for the goalkeeper. And Everton are 2-0 in the lead. It's heartbreaking for him. And I'm sure he would still, if you asked him now, his eyes would light up and, and he'd talk about Andy Gray's goal being a foul on Steve Sherwood. The new LP shortly to be released by Elton John is called Broken Hearts. Might be one or two of those around Watford tonight. To be honest with you, they were lapping up about how much he cared for football, you know, how much of an emotional guy he was. But I think he might have been the same boat as us, you know. He looked like he was on a fucking massive come down to me, looking at him. 
It was beautiful. <laughs> one moment. If Gerard's finish was second, third, the only way I could take that or, or what would make it more palatable would be if it was behind John's Watford boys. No, no, it wasn't. He was about he was about double figures, lad, and he, he didn't look great. I'll try and dig you the video out. It was before the transplant. He was a crying cocaine mess. He looked like to me, lad, his his little uh, his little fluff was was drenched in sweat and ah uh, yeah, it was wasn't a good look. But uh, yeah, no, number one was well we'll count down a little bit more. I think Hillsborough was I think the the, the post Hillsborough final was Number three or four, lad, actually. Was it either in that order with Gerard? Hey, you've changed the mood there. We're talking about the demigod that is Elton John. You're not letting me have me say on him in terms of he made bald, cool, and he was ahead of his time in terms of probably the first person ever to get a hair transplant. Everyone's getting them now. Ahead of his time, not scared to show a little bit of emotion in the stand. Real man. I should have given you some space to work on Elton. I didn't realise that. I knew you'd always want to uh, want to back him up and, and fight his corner. Reggie. Of course, yeah. He's just, yeah, as I say, he's a, he's a real man, only real man. Christ. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was possible, but he's gone up in my estimations again. He looked so, a broken man up. in the stands, Dylan. I was quite surprised as well to see uh, Ron Atkinson as a talking head on the countdown as well on the BBC. Is uh, Has all been forgotten on that front of Ron? Using I was the... going to say, yeah, he's, he's been disgraced, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I thought his, uh, his media duties and days were behind him, but evidently not. I don't think there was any expiration date on using the, the M-word live on a broadcast, to be honest with you. I thought that'd be him. It's a lifelong ban, isn't it, surely? But no, Big Ron was on there. It's got to be. Absolute dinosaur, yeah. No doubt a Trump supporter, like. Um, Neville Southall was an interesting talking head as well, lad. I mean, and it was just a head. It was like the head off the turtles. He was just taking up the whole screen. The weight of him, lad. Is Neville. he still alive? Oh, lad, I, I feel bad because I think he's quite vocal on mental health topics and whatnot, Neville, and he, I think he's put out there that he's, he's had some difficulties. You'd have to be if he's an Everton fan. <laughs> Lad, if you see the size of him, the comfort eating that's going on, all I could think of was I was between <laughs> I was between sympathy and, and wanting a top 50 of what Neville's been eating in, in lockdown, what he must have been going through in terms of snacks over the last few weeks. He's a fucking beached whale, lad. I thought he'd snuffed it. He'd had a fucking massive angina a long time ago. Look at the size of him even when he was playing. You to honest, be honest. You honestly thought Bloody. Southall was dead, lad? Is that just wishful thinking as you, you as an anti-Everton man? or? No, no, no. I haven't got a problem with the Evertonians. It's all bantering. It's all <laughs> in jest. Like, but I haven't snuffed it just looking at the size of him. Like, I hadn't seen him for a while. Yet, number one, you'll be disappointed, lad. Ryan Giggs, the Arsenal goal. Disappointing. <laughs> Ooh, can we move on? What, what do you think? So basically, you've gone from one of the greatest individual performances of all time in Gerard in the final to oh, oh, the goal, Tetsu's goal, and then the penalty as well was just perfection, lad. And we actually won the FA Cup, and it was in the final, not a semi-final as Giggs's was. Mm. No, I'm, I'm just not a top ten for me, Ryan Giggs. I thought he would have been a bit more sort of nostalgic and got like a little bit cheesy and got with maybe the Stanley Matthews final and all that. That was up there. I think yeah. that was, I think that was about seven. Lad. Final. Yeah, yeah. About I mean seven was it? They were quick to point out that it, it is called the Stanley Matthews final, but his his teammates scored an attrick. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> so maybe that's why that got overlooked for the number one spot. I think there might be a little uh, altering of history there with the with the Matthews final, yeah, to fit in with 
Was that because he didn't get booked? You know what I mean? That's his. Uh, yeah. Everything. Not about what a legend he is to the game because he never got booked. So in my my books, he's uh, certainly not to be proud of, and, and ultimately you go way down in my uh, opinion of it. As a, as a footballer and as a man, ultimately. But gigs number one, lad, yeah, gigs number one. And as Jamie Carragher pointed out in that heated exchange with Roy Keane um, a couple few months ago on a Monday Night Football, Jasper Blomqvist actually started the game. Does that three work then for you, as a, as a three with, with Beckham tucked in there? Yeah, I'm just worried where we're going to fit the other United lads in. We've got Giggsy. Mm. Giggs is not going in my team. Oh, gee. Really? <laughs> really? No? It's well. I've got I've got a front three. <laughs> Just dropped that bombshell okay. and moved on. <laughs> it's not, I, I'm I love Ryan Gibbs. I'm, I'm judging him on not judging him over his career. We judge him on the '99 season. Yeah. yeah. Do you know how many goals he scored that season? Four. Is that enough for you to get in that team? No, but she was getting. But Jamie, in that the season. key to greatness is to be consistent. Giggs, he done it year in year out. But sometimes you might have the odd season where he mightn't be a ten or a ten. But you're on about that season. It's about if, uh, big games. Look what Giggs done in the semi-final. Tell me another player on this planet could have done that what he done well, against Arsenal. If he was Arsenal. playing that well, why was he sub? Because there was rotation. Because Jesper Blancas was behind him. That's Jesper what wins your big trust. Yeah, he was a very, very good player. Excellent him player. In. Oh, ahead of him. Yeah, Giggs, come on in that game, which is quite strange, uh-huh. isn't it? That shows a bit more, though. That gives that gives the the, the the achievements a little bit more gravitas for me. Then you think that he's come off the bench. bench, and then he's come off and he's done. He's come off the bench to do that. So fair play. But I think the uh, there's a lot to be said about the defending or the lack of defending. And that goal. If you look, they're all just running off him. Mm. What you need to do? Someone's in halfway line, big kick up the arse. There you go. As good as goal as it was. Uh, I think they're massively over-egging the custard to put it number one as the greatest FA Cup memory of all time. Very, very tired legs, lad. Very, very tired legs. I think we're out there for Arsenal, weren't they, at that point? They just missed the pen, hadn't they? And whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Bergkamp. So, yeah, a little bit of an anti-climax. Rio Ferdinand as a host was cheese on toast. Him and that blonde beard off country file. That, that was that was terrible. But probably worth revisiting for some of the, for some of the great moments. And, and some of the moments that we've... We've lived through, as you say, lad, being at being at such finals as that, as the uh, the Gerard final, and one final we were at that was the fifteen yep. year anniversary <laughs> this week was Istanbul. <laughs> we didn't Lovely. talk about it last week, lad, did we? Istanbul. Um, I did put a post up on the social media of me and you looking like a pair of chronic ale merchants in Taxim Square yep. the day after the victory. That for me, Steve, that was probably the highlight of the trip. That the day after the uh, yeah. final in Tascom School. You're yeah. coming off very, very little sleep. A few hours kip. Um, and then obviously you're celebrating the Red Men. Been in the European Cup. I remember we were in that bar and they had frosted glasses. Yeah. Pints of FF glasses. And it was just absolutely brilliant, man. And we are coached back to where we were staying the other end of the day in, in Marmaris. It wasn't until later that day. So we literally had the full day. To, uh, to get stuck in in Istanbul and, and obviously savour it all and get stuck in the celebrations. But the trip as a whole, lad, absolutely brilliant. Like, well, we'd missed our minutes. coach. Technically, we'd missed our coach back and luckily booked like their version of the National Express, hadn't we? But, I mean, like you're saying there, lad, I think the next day it was just the first time where we'd had a moment to just take it in and just rest a little bit. Oh. The efforts, lad, to get there. I mean, we're not talking like... The seventies or the eighties, and we were what were we nineteen? I think when we booked it, we did have the internet. We did have. Uh, I was twenty. You were nineteen. Yeah. So we had Google. 
we could have you know got on Google Maps May or Yahoo Maps or whatever it was back then to book Marmaris, which is the other end of Turkey with no internal flights. No planning, we just pick Marmaris, so that looks like somewhere where people go and have an holiday. We'll go there, we'll sort it out, we'll sort Istanbul out once we get on, on Turkish ground. Fucking ridiculous, lad. Can you remember us, like, the day before we'd have to leave for the game, still with no transport? Booked it, lad. Who booked Marmaris? Because don't forget, I was... I did, I you know. You were 19. There was a few of the younger lads, like Peggy and Singer and all that, were younger than us at the time. Sean Morley. Was there spit. About 17. Andy, you know what I mean? Andy for sure, Sean Morley, Marmaris. Yeah. It was me, lad. It was my call. Yeah, I booked Marmaris. I seen it as a holiday destination. I thought it had everything we'd desire. Because it was like our first lads' holiday as well, wasn't it? Tied in with the with the Champions yeah. League final, you know? So I just thought... So for the benefit, Steve, of, of, of everyone listening, we went, I think there was about... How many of us stayed in Marmaris? Eight? Was, I was about eight or nine of us, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Eight or nine? Tom Ed. So... Yeah, there might have been me more than that then. Everyone, bar me, you, your John, and Sean Worley, who now plays for, for Shrewsbury, I believe. He does. Uh, apart from us four, the rest of them all had internal flights. They had the four sites to arrange it properly and have internal flights. So that left me, you, John, and Worley, all with tickets for the game. Yeah. 23 away from Istanbul. And like you said, the day before the game, with no, no, no way of getting there. What did we do? How did we even go about it? I think... What happened? I don't know. I was too busy getting pissed, to be honest with you. I just thought it would work itself out. And luckily it did. It turned out we weren't the only ones who'd made that same mistake, who'd got to Marmaris and thought, oh, we'll be able to get an internal train or we'll be able to get a flight. All the flights were booked or they were ridiculous prices first class because they knew Liverpool fans and people will have to get to Istanbul for the day of the Champions League. So I think it might have been our John, maybe with Moss, um, has gone round. No, I think me and Moss went and organised it. You know, was like, it the I've local? Pictures, like, you went round like the local bus companies and travel agents, like who who organised day trips to go and see dolphins or whatever. User out there trying to get them <laughs> to basically drive across the country the next day in a little mini bus, wasn't it? So, to Istanbul on a coach, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, hours. it took us like twenty four so, hours. Yeah, great coach facilities as you can imagine. Don't think there was any air conditioning. No, and. So we've got to Istanbul the, the morning of the game. And literally, as you can imagine, we haven't slept on the coach or the minibus or whatever it was all the way up to Istanbul because you're having a bevy. Yeah. You're speaking to all the Liverpool fans. Remember the R fella Frank and his mate, north of 70, and he was, uh, he was getting stuck in for you narcotics um, yeah. <laughs> over the ages, which was an interesting life choice, well, to we, say the least. Can we just factor in as well, on the trip, Sean Morley, you mentioned there, he got mumps the first, the first night we got there. We... Got off the plane, threw our bags in, gone out on the piss with the Fenerbahce fans who just that weekend clinched the league from Galatasaray, I think, on the last game of the season. The Fenerbahce fans were out. It was a hostile environment. Like, Yeah, very lively. Exactly, I stayed out. We won't go into too much detail here, but, but I stayed out and 
come back the next morning and probably my lasting memory of the holiday is not, you know, Xabi Alonso lifting the cup or Steven Gerrard lifting the cup, even that ne- that beautiful next day. It's probably a little Turkish doctor on Wally's back in the hotel room with an eight-inch needle in his ass cheek trying to sort, him, sort his mum's out the next day with an hangover. So Wally had a head like, show, um, like Mark Viduka for that whole trip for the 23 hours. Our John sat next to him and slept the whole journey. It was kind of... Yeah. Well, a little, a little story about me, me and Wally on that trip is um, I'd literally... I was all over the place after we won it. So where I was sat in the ground, I went behind the goal with all yous. I was just to the side and literally first half, I was just on my tug watching the game and I was thinking, can't get much worse than this. But obviously, European Cup final, I thought at that point, rather naively so, could be the only one I ever get to go to. So I'm going to stick it out anyway. Um, not, not like any of these fucking barn pots leaving. And anyway, a spot, Keith and Johnny Corcoran, two of our mates from uh, from Eighton, probably about 10 rows in front of me. So anyway, transpired, I watched the second half and all of extra time and penalties with those two, and I think they make Duffy as well. Um, so that they were certainly a good omen to the, to the point now where Johnny Corcoran, what is it, 15 years on, now refers to me as Istanbul. He won't call me by Bernie, won't call me by Pope or Popey. He'll just call me Istanbul. Every you, time he sees me, he'll acknowledge me. I like Istanbul. You brought a bit of luck. Um, you brought a bit of luck for them. It sounds like, doesn't it? Um, so literally, I've got, I've gone out the ground anyway, Steve. And the, the 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 stadium is up 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 a mountain somewhere. It's it's, it's completely it isolated. Yeah. It's, there's not around it. It was not like the it was whatsoever. like the start. It, it was like the Fool's Gold Stone Roses video, wasn't it? Where they're just in the desert. It was like that, and we were as trippy as them having. Scored a bit of Turkish weed on the rooftop in Taxim Square. Medicinal purposes, we thought it might heal Wally's mumps, I think, at one point. Yeah, I think that was that. Yeah, that's what that's what we thought, at least, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I've bumped into... So I've, I've left the ground. I can't find my coats, lad. I'm all over the place. Um, and then literally I've bumped into Wally full of mumps. And we've, lad, literally we've, we've got the last coach from the ground, which was going to Istanbul. Otherwise, we would have been fucked, lad. I, I'm convinced we would have been murdered up a mountain in Turkey otherwise. Because it was literally, there was no one left. It must have been an hour or two after the game. All the Reds had gone. All the coaches had gone. I couldn't find me coach. Couldn't get hold of anyone. So I managed to bump into Wally. And we've got, literally by the skin of our teeth, just as it was pulling off, we pulled like this. We've got this last bus into Istanbul. Um, and then obviously by the time we get into Istanbul, we're in the bars, we're celebrating. I think I was asleep within half an hour of getting to the uh, first bar in Istanbul. Because if you think, lad, we've got the coach from um, from uh, Marmaris to Istanbul, 23, 24 hours. I hadn't slept. You get to Istanbul the morning of the game. Obviously, you're not sleeping during the day of the game. You're drinking, you get stuck in. And then your adrenaline only gets you through so much to the mm. point where, as I say, got to the first bar after the game. Got into a bar, asleep half an hour later, and then Kenny Day... Uh, our mate Moss is is, is that he, he put us up in his room. I didn't even get a drink, lad, to be honest with you, post-game. I went right to, God rest his soul, Paul Main put us up, I think it was, either Andy or Paul Main. Because we weren't meant to stay overnight, lad. We didn't have accommodation. We didn't have transport to get to Istanbul. We weren't staying overnight. We were meant to get back on that minibus. The minibus driver who we'd hired didn't speak a word of the Queen's. I don't think, I don't think he'd done more than like three-hour round trips locally in Marmaris. He was driving us back that night, by all accounts. That's what was that was the plan. We were meant to go back the night of the game and get back to Marmaris like the next day. 
So it was a bit of a godsend, lad. I didn't get a drink. I went right back to the hotel. Ali Main, I think, yeah. put us up and we slept. But can we just talk about the game a little bit, lad? Jesus Christ. Do you, do you remember loads of it or is it is it in bits and bobs? I remember first half, lad, being absolutely blown away by, by Shevchenko's movements and, and Kaka. I just remember looking at them and thinking, this this is one of the best things I've ever seen live. I'd have seen Henri run riot at, um, at Anfield before in that Arsenal team. But Shevchenko's movements in that first half was just fucking incredible. And I just remember thinking, this is going to be so embarrassing, this. No, he, he thought Garcia was going to go down the line. Look at that from Kaká. And what a pass too for Crespo. And what a goal that is. Oh. What a goal that is. In at Crespo again. From the sublime pass by Kaká. And Milan now playing football out of this world. Nobody can live with this. Wonderful, wonderful goal. Yeah, you're the better man than me. Yeah, I was. I think I was calling them every cunt under the sun. To be honest with you, but um, one one sort of bit of credit or praise I'll give AC Milan from the first half, at least anyway, before the absolutely capitulated and crumbles. I thought Crespo's finish was oh. one of the best finishes I've ever seen. Oh, uh, first time over the goal, he was like, wow, okay. This one against and then obviously the second half. Speaks for itself, and then obviously that's when Gerard took over, uh, and then the rest is uh, is history, as they say. Well, you say Gerard took over. You have I've had someone tell me he was pretty close to Gerard. That he actually did take over the team talk. You know, he actually asked Rafa to leave the dressing room at one point, by all accounts, and it was him. Him who took over the team talk, and him who brought on Didi Man. He apparently was like, you've got to get Didi Aman on. By all accounts, maybe it'll come he out... He was a game-changer, Haman. He was a game-changer. Yeah, stand corrected. Massive game-changer, Haman. Middle of the park. Brilliant. Crazy how you don't start him, really, lad, to be um, honest with you. Yeah, you busted. do. But it was it was a trip of a lifetime, wasn't it? Took, it? took it out of us. We all ended up with mumps, didn't we? Did you get mumps yourself? I think most of us did. I didn't need to know I managed to escape it, to be honest with you. It must have been to do with the something, something uh, our little Turkish mate Benji, who we uh, who we befriended on the trip. That was a mad setup. So the hotel we were staying in, uh, there was this little Turkish fella who had a little side room in there. And it was literally a box room, must have been about eight by eight. Um, and then he had, what are they called? Uh, like a shisha, like a... Yeah, shisha, but he was burning all kinds into it, obviously. And uh, yeah, we spent most of our time there with our little mate Benji. So I think whatever we were smoking through those shishas with Benji, I think uh, falls off any uh, any mumps or, or other infections on that holiday. It was such a strange hotel, wasn't it, lad? And I, I think we'd all been on the lash for a couple of days and we were all craving. We'd clocked this Chinese restaurant in Marmorous Town Centre or, you know, whatever it is. And we had all been salivating over it. Yeah, that's going to sort our hangover out. As we're all got sorted up the hotel room, coming out to, to go out for the night, and Johnny hits us with the fact that he's negotiated a traditional English roast dinner for us. Do you remember that? <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do remember. That's probably my bad memory of the trip, to be honest with you. Who goes on holiday with the boys? On it? it wasn't even a Sunday, I don't think either, was it? And gets stuck into a, a roast dinner. We're an accompanying belly dancing act, wasn't it, from the hotel? I think it was one of the cleaners from the kitchen or one of the uh, <laughs> one of the room service staff or something. Just put a veil on. Do you remember Tommy asking for some mayo with his uh, roast dinner? The most uncultured man in Europe, do you mean? Tommy Nello? 
most uncultured man in Europe, yeah, Thomas uh, Nelson, don't know whether he listens to this or not, Tom Ed, as he's affectionately known, uh, yeah, bringing a bit of speech to Turkey, yeah, asking for mail with his uh, roast dinner, which was uh, not something I thought I'd, I'd ever hear, like. Quite an eye-opener, wasn't it? Quite an eye-opener, but it was just, it was just crazy, lads, you remember us piling into them Manx hotel room, and they had a, a um, release demo of the latest Oasis album, Don't Believe the Truth. They had like an uh, they had like a, an early release of it somehow. I think that album was released like the first of June or something, and we were on it. And it at the time, lad, when you're full of Jägermeister and fucking Benji Smoke, it sounded like the greatest album yeah. of all time. It's probably Oasis's worst, isn't it? Would you say? Don't believe the truth. Probably, yeah. I'd, 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 yeah, there's not much debate to be had in my eyes, yeah. I'd say so, like, yeah. But at the time, yeah, like you say, when you're intoxicated, then it sounds great, especially if it's coming from Oasis. It was, lad. It was an incredible, incredible trip. And... Do you remember, Steve? Remember the uh, the waiter from the hotel who got fired and we, uh, we boycotted so we wouldn't spend another penny in the hotel until we reinstated them? I think he was having shots with us. Was he having shots of hot chilli sauce or <laughs> shots of... Uh, <laughs> I, I remember something vaguely, lad, yeah, vaguely. And what we went on strike, we picked so We boycotted, we said, we're going next door to the hotel next door, spending all our money there. Uh, and then you reinstated them on the spot. Well, obviously, as soon as we left, these, uh, yeah, poor, poor fella must have got the chop. The state you get into, the danger you put yourself into when you when you're bevying at that age. Remember Andy Forshaw? He'd been up all night and he um, he ordered a he rented a, what are they called? Like a like a scramble. It's a like moped. Was it a moped? Yeah, it was a moped, wasn't it? And he was just off his tits. It's insanity, like. he was 17 at the time as well. I think he was 17. Literally had a lovely mop of blonde hair, Tinger, as he's known. And then he sort of, after the first night, he, no one had seen him. He turned up the following morning. He'd been completely bulleted, hadn't he? I'm talking a note all over. Yeah, he had, a, a, mo- moped. He had a moped and a skinhead. Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy comp- Did, uh, combination. But you'll never forget it, lad. Have you got a tip of the week this week, lad, or do you get like Greg Cody with his uh, back in my day? Have, have you got anything? Is there anything cooking for you? No, but you know what I was thinking? We've got horse racing. It's yet to be confirmed at government level, but it looks as though horse racing is back from Monday. So I will be sure to have a, uh, a not not only a tip of the week next week's show, but a winner of the week. Oh, I yeah. I was about that. For Come me. on. So, that's uh, the... But... Oh, we've also got Royal Ascot on the horizon, so I don't know whether you want to do a little bit of a uh, an Ascot preview. Maybe yeah. get your Nicky on, possibly. Definitely, that sounds, that sounds good to me. Let's let's have a little look at that, eh? Maybe. When is it? Ascot, 16th of June? 16th, yeah. By, by, yeah it's by all accounts, so it might be worth getting your Nicky on. Uh, have a little bit of a Royal Ascot preview. 
um, give give the listeners something to go on. So although I'm going to tip of the week for the third week straight, I do have just an observation I've made in the past week. Um, obviously, on this podcast a few weeks ago, is it Goshen? Sorry, is it Goshen? No, no, no. If you let me finish, go on. I, go on. We'll be re- and I'll, don't, don't, don't jump the gun. Steady there. Um, so I put up as my horse to follow a, a few weeks back as Albina. Um, for the Oaks, still 25 to 1 about. Um, it's since been confirmed by Jessica Harrington that she'll be going for the Irish Guineas. So lost bet there for the for the English version, which is a little bit frustrating. I think you can get around about 2 to 1 for the Irish Guineas. So there may be value in that. Yeah. Knowing that you want any horse that runs in 1,000 Guineas won't run in the Irish equivalents, given how close close together they are, obviously, this year. Yeah. Uh, in comparison to previous years and the previous schedule and where they'd be more spaced apart. But I was listening to the final Fairlong podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an avid listener to that show. Uh, and they were doing a uh, season preview for the flat uh, over the course of the last week. And they had two of the experts or so-called experts on. Um, and they had five. They each had five horses to follow for the flat season ahead. Um, and rate them in order one to five, with one being your biggest fancy or, or biggest horse to follow. Both of which put Albina up as their horse to follow for the flat season. Ahead. So have a go. So again, him. yeah. Well, a little bit later the later the dance. Uh, I think I need to start charging for my expert opinions. Possibly another mole in the camp, but obviously I put it up a couple of months ago now. So it's all well and good. These so-called racing experts putting them on two months after I have. Um, yeah, similar sort of trends to the SPN taking our hot takes. Um, could potentially be a mole in the camp there for me uh, for me horse racing take. So whether or not that fills the listeners. Very few listeners we have with any confidence that I've, I've put it up as a horse to follow. Um, it should do. So, uh, again, just thoughts of blowing me on something there more so. So, you me. should. So, you should, like me, revealing Lance Armstrong as a 17 year old kid as a drug cheat. You know, you've got to, uh, <laughs> you've got to get it out there, haven't you? <laughs> Hey, Spencer, I want to get your take on this. The Nets currently in the seventh spot uh, in the East when it comes to the playoffs. What's the possibility of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving actually returning to play potentially for a playoff run? Uh, I mean, that's that's the uh, billion-dollar question, right? Um, you know, but that, that's not something that I can answer, really. I mean, I, I don't know. I know they're uh, working very hard. I know they're both coming back from injury, obviously. Um, you know, they're, they're two of the hardest working guys in the NBA on the court um, and, and two phenomenal players. And um, if they are able to return and, and if that's the decision that they make, you know, obviously our, our aspirations turn from playoffs to championship. We've been in terms of our long term stuff. I, I do think obviously they haven't ran a lot of the anti post stuff, but there has been real shifts like we mentioned before. The Brooklyn Nets, they've come in. Goshen, your, your horse, you picked Pope. I think you tipped it at 12. It's into eight to one. Yeah, Alex Smith, the comeback player of the year. His price is sixes to sevens out there. This is what I mean. Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. I know you kind of grumbled at that a little bit, lad. Sixty to one, we tipped him at. The biggest you can get now is fourteens. He's seven in most places. If he gets on the field, he's going to win that award. I think there is definitely, definitely value in getting your money down early on a long term market when the when the value's there. I think so. In terms of this weekend, lad, uh, you're not going to let me tip Wood- Woodley in the UFC. Are you at a four to seven? You're not going to let me get away with get away with that, of course. 
Well, it'd be consistent, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'll probably figure him into some sort of long-term multiple. Um, great UFC card again, lad. Let's tip our hats to Dana White again, my God. Soon as Vegas said that he could do a show... He's got a competitive 12-fight card together. It's just incredible, like, what he's doing. The man's an absolute maverick, though, isn't he? It's insane, lad. He's a, he's a machine, isn't he? I started mixed martial arts with the end in mind. I saw clearly me leaving this sport as one of the greatest, the greatest welterweight of all times, one of the greatest fighters that ever graced the canvas, and I'm not going to stop until that's done. Sometimes the greatest champions have to face adversity and bounce back and win, so now my path is getting back and getting it done. Now that I took this bump and I got to bounce back, my goal is to just go out there and viciously remind everybody what I'm capable of. He's got ridiculous hand speed, great wrestling, ferocious knockout power. I'm just ready to go to dark places. And, and when you get me to this point, all the guys I really knocked out and just brutalized in the octagon, this is the mentality that I felt. Whoever they put in front of me, we're going to beat them up. I'm the best world of all times. I've been calling Tyron Woolley out several times, but we finally going to fight. And I think since they locked out the goal, he's going to understand why he didn't want to fight me. This is a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, four-time world jiu-jitsu champion. I think he's on his way out. And I'm coming up. I'm hungry. I'm on a five-win streak. And I'm looking forward to get six after I beat Tyron Woody. You know, great welterweight fight, main event. Woodley v. Baines. Um, I'll be quite interested in seeing that. I'll figure Woodley into a bet, but I'm going to actually tip, and this again is a little bit of advice off our Nicky, long-term one, NFL, um, Bill Belichick, coach of the year, 12-1, to 1, looks a massive price, lad. If he can manage post-Brady to get the Patriots to win the division as clearly as they have done in the last few seasons, and I don't think there's that much competition in that division this year, he, the Patriots have got the best defence they've ever had and I think that'll only get better this year I think 12 to 1 for Belichick to win the basically to win the, the Brady Belichick award this year isn't it really I think it's a big price lad coach of the year what do you think no I think that's a fair play you're going back to double digits sort of tipping uh, which is what it's all about ultimately so I'm not going to sit here and knock you for, uh, for putting up a 12 to 1 which uh, which is which has certainly got legs uh, in comparison to what you have been putting up in recent weeks, four to sevens and, and all that carry on. So, no fair play to you. Uh, don't know whether I'll necessarily be getting involved, but I can't knock you for it at the same time. So, mm. fair play. Fair mm. play, Nicky. Yeah, fair play, Nick. <laughs> Give Nicky the nod. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lad. So, any, will you be watching a bit of UFC night yourself this weekend? Or are you going to get anything on your radar, a bit of Bundesliga, Popey? It's tough, you know, mate. You'll know yourself one day when you have kids. It's you just you take up all your time. I, I sound like an absolute trip of a man. Don't get me wrong. That's that's not lost on me. But uh, yeah, gone go, go are the days where I can just have a Saturday afternoon to myself and watch whatever I want. You see, so uh, unfortunately, not. It might be a highlights job. But when the Premier League recommences, I'm uh, yeah looking forward to that. Certainly be watching most of that, if not all of it. Obviously, all the cool games. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Popey, I'll let you get out of here, lad. Let you get back to work. What are you done for the day? No, I'll have a few bits to do. Like, yeah, I've got a free house, though, which is good. Uh, yeah. So I might just have uh, a little bite to eat now in the garden, in the sun. Wow, uh, enjoy it, lad. And, uh, 
Yeah, do an hour or so this afternoon, like not, not too uh, too strenuous. Not too but, strenuous uh, no. Yeah, I'll we'll speak to you uh, same time next week. Next week. Definitely, lads. In between anymore, which is just how I like it. So yeah, catch you in same time next week. See you later. To that, lad. To that. You're amazing. To that. Now I know what lonely means I used to give so little and gain everything the darkest part